Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. If you're doing startup marketing, building an army is the most valuable thing you can do. These are people who are fans of your product and making sure that these fans are constantly happy. Because at the end of the day, these people are way more powerful than influencers. Because influencers can put up a couple posts and say, yeah, this product is great. But when authentic users are saying, yeah, this is a great product, we've been using it, I've been a part of them since day one, and you constantly keep them in your circle, these people are incredibly powerful. Welcome to the episode. I'm so happy that you joined. I've been following your content for so long, so I'm so happy that we finally get to talk face-to-face. I want you to start to tell everybody a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into your passion for startup marketing. For the past four to five years, I've been working with only startups and doing their marketing. And maybe a part of this is because I've kind of just been raised in the Bay Area my whole life. So I'm pretty much grown up and immune to startups (laughs) crashing and failing, but also developing out of thin air. I was the kid that literally on my way to kindergarten, I would see the Apple campus get built. And then uh, my family moved up the Bay. And then before I knew it, by the time I was going to middle school and high school, um, Tesla office popped up on 880. And I was like, okay, it's just another startup. Who cares? And then lo and behold, it's Tesla. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And I didn't get it until I got into the whole tech world and starting to understand what startups look like. And so I've just been helping out startups and helping them grow from the ground up. And that's where I just find so much fun in because there's just so much experimenting involved. There is just so much more freedom to think out of the box. Also, while having a little low risk because there's pretty much little to no budget. So you basically get to, you know, make that exchange with leadership and say, Hey, let me try this experiment. It's not going to cost us a cent and let's just try it and see where it goes. And so it's super fun. It's always super experimental. And I really get to gauge where the company's at, where the target audience is at, and make them all connect. So when should companies start investing in a marketer? That's question one. And then two, like you're the first marketer at a startup. What are your first one to two things you start thinking about tackling as a first marketer in a company? So whenever a client comes to me and says, hey, you know, we want to build ourselves from the ground up. Usually when these startups are ready for marketers, the first thing that they should have ready is who is their target audience and are they sure that this is their target audience? Or is this the audience that is going to benefit the most from what they're doing? And if that is the case, have they figured out where this audience is? And when they have those two questions answered, then they should be able to go up to a marketer and say, this is our audience. This is where they're at. This is our product. Help us. And that is when people like me can jump in and say, yeah, let's do it. 
And the reason I like to say that startup marketers and marketers are different is because the game is just played completely differently by startup marketers. I believe that startup marketer, you are a lot scrappier, a lot more resourceful, and also just a very out-of-the-box thinker that's ready to help these businesses grow in non-traditional ways. So I know that whenever um, I'm talking to startups and I go ahead to happy hour with my marketer friends, they're like, hey, you know, today I grew this on Salesforce and found this report and I was running this email campaign. And it's like, no, that's an individual job. That's kind of a part of, you know, you add up every marketer's job. That's what a startup marketer does all on its own. So once these businesses are ready to bring us a marketer on, they should be ready that, hey, this marketer is ready to build us from the ground up, but it will not be in the traditional way. It will be in the way that's best for us. What are some non-traditional tactics or stuff that you think about that are low budget that people can try today if they're I know it's dependent on audience and stuff like that, but what are some things you've done in the past that have really worked? So at one point, I was working for a food tech startup. We were pre-seed, were very scrappy, just had maybe one or two angel investors that were ready to put in money. So I had literally less than 1K on me. That's all I got. They were like, we're giving you $1,000 for a year. That's all you get. Now I'm thinking, how do I get this startup's brand awareness going? You know, we have an app running. How do we make sure that A, this app is great for our target audience and B, we get that target audience using it? So I took two approaches when this was happening. First things first, I wanted to understand where is this target audience? So this food tech app, basically what it did is it helped people find a common restaurant based on any dietary restrictions they had. So many times, you know, you're going out with friends and you're like, hey, let's go grab something to eat on Sunday night. And all of a sudden somebody's like, okay, but I'm vegan. And then someone's like, and I have a nut allergy. And then someone's like, yeah, and I don't eat beef. Now you have all of these dietary restrictions. And then there's usually one person that is literally looking at a thousand different menus, hoping that everyone can find a meal. So this app was trying to simplify all of that. And so at the time, I was trying to understand who could actually use this app. And so we wanted to actually target millennials who actually get a lot of takeout or they go out to eat a lot. And so I barely had any budget. So what I did is actually I got laptop stickers printed. And so what I did is my colleagues and I, we worked at different WeWorks and different coffee shops. And we had a sticker on the laptop that says, I think it was something along the lines of everyone needs a place to eat or find something around the whole group eating together. And it was a really catchy, eye-catching that was ready for people to look at. Now you keep this on the laptop with a QR code. And so now people are passing by you. They see this big sticker that's covering the top of your laptop with a QR code. I've caught multiple people just like, staring at me from the corner and using their phone to kind of zoom in on the QR code and see what it's about. And then we actually also printed flyers and put it in local coffee shops all around San Francisco saying that, hey, if you have dietary restrictions and need a place to eat, check this app out. 
And so we had tons of people just using those QR codes and downloading the app to see, hey, I have dietary restrictions. Maybe I can use this. And then on the flip side, we wanted to make sure that the restaurants we were putting on this app were also actually dairy-free or they actually had gluten-free options and whatnot. So on the flip side, we were also reaching out to these restaurants and saying, hey, are these your dietary restrictions? Are you guys dairy-free? Are you guys nut-free? Great. We're putting you on this app. And so once they confirm with us that all, you know, they are gluten-free, they do follow dietary restrictions, when they showed up in our email saying, wow, I'm going to be on your app, what's your app called? Now, all of a sudden, we also have them checking us out, all while we're also getting people using the app to check out these restaurants. I also think the scrappiness that you're talking about, I think a lot of funded companies start missing that they are guerrilla tactics that you still can use today. You don't always have to spend X amount of money to do something. You could still think of that first marketer. So I think the principles you're saying now, even though it's a bigger company, I think a lot of people start forgetting the mentality of how can I be scrappy to get the the word out? And imagine if you had a big budget and you were doing the scrappy things you were doing to do it, you probably could have done the scrappy guerrilla techniques at scale, which probably could have been great success. And you thought of something that creative that oh, it's not the easy cop-out answer of just spending money on Facebook or TikTok or something like that. So I I love like the, the, the creativeness of startup marketers. It's just it's my, one of my favorite things. Uh, <laughs> one of the greatest challenges I think also is of a startup marketer is focus. So how do you prioritize what to do first, second, third? Because you have so much to do. There's a lot happening. Startup marketers, usually it's a one to maybe three person team. And that's on the higher side if a startup really has the budget for marketers. Otherwise, it's usually a very small scrappy team that has to do a hundred things, whether it be web development, copywriting, PPC ads, everything is all on the marketers. So one thing that, you know, to keep focus is to make sure to remember that marketing is the bridge between product and the consumer. And that is the biggest way to keep focus. Okay, this is what our customers are saying. This is where the product is headed. How are we making sure that the customer is connected to the product at all times? What are we doing to retain these customers and making sure that they are advocates of our product? And so usually what my biggest focus is, is brand awareness and making sure you're building an army. Because if you're doing startup marketing, Building an army is the most valuable thing you can do. Building an army is very different from just like building a community and having a thousand plus people in a discord. It's about having people that can advocate for your product and be there from the jump. So these are people that, hey, you're reaching out, you know, they're a target audience and you say, hey, this is what we're doing. And they're not only keeping track of what you're up to, but also actively being a part of that community to keep in touch with product updates. So these are people that can literally advocate offline, online. They're liking your tweets. They're liking your Instagram posts. If you send out emails, they're actually reading your newsletters. These are people who are fans of your product and making sure that these fans are constantly happy. Because at the end of the day, these 
people are way more powerful than influencers because influencers can put up a couple posts and say, yeah, this product is great. But when authentic users are saying, yeah, this is a great product, we've been using it, I've been a part of them since day one, and you constantly keep them in your circle, these people are incredibly powerful. And of course, building an army also means that giving these people incentives that, hey, you know, we've been testing this beta, you want to try it? And it, these are people that also feel special. They feel connected to the company. So building that army and making sure that we are connected to what the customers want, what the target audience needs, and what the product is doing, keeping all this interconnected is the marketer's job. I also think people forget that one of the number one things of marketing's job at the beginning is getting the company known, is a, what mm-hmm. you said, awareness. Before someone could do something, they have to know who you are. You have to build trust with them. And the only way to do that is getting your name out there in some ways. And people think paid is a way to do it at scale. But there's also those like ways of getting these raving, raving fans that talk to each other, word of mouth, finding those first true customers so you can nail down the product before you go at scale. So. Mm-hmm. love the army analogy. What is a marketing hill you would die on? That marketing needs a seat at the table, especially when it comes to product development. Marketing is a part of product development. And this is so, so, so ignored by many companies. Many companies think product is separate and marketing's job is to just keep pushing out the product. But the thing is, marketing knows exactly what the target audience needs. It's seeing the customer's behavior. It's understanding retention. And so based on the behaviors of our customers and users, marketers are able to analyze that and see all the red flags in a product. And so when product doesn't give marketing a seat at the table, it ends up not being as successful as it could be because they're not making sure that the right people are a part of the conversation. Also, I think what you said too is marketers have to, if the marketers don't have a seat in the table, they end up doing the over-promising and under-delivering because that's the only way they, they can grab attention at the end of the day. So I think if you give them the chance to the table, you could be, hey, these people want XYZ features, they care, their pain is XYZ, so we should make a product that fulfills this actual pain instead of marketers having to say, we do this, this, and this, and they keep, the product doesn't deliver. And then what you said before, they churn at the end because they don't care about what the actual product is. So the product being in the seat of the table too, and also people forget like brand is every touch point that a customer has or audience has with you. And your product is probably the most things that your customer touches. So marketing touch point should be all over that. They should be touching every part of that, making sure the messages are aligned. What's a trend you're seeing that marketers should jump on right now? I think marketers need to understand that there needs to be a hybrid approach to how they make their content right now. Right now, there's this trend of companies and brands jumping on any trend they see. I mean, there is a trend that comes out and the manager is just on the social media manager, like use this trend, use this trend. And 
social media managers end up in this really, really toxic cycle of just pushing out content based on any trend rather than using their trend as an advantage. Right now, we're seeing a lot of startups, they get onto TikTok, you know, it, TikTok has now become one of the four main social medias that people need to set up, right? When they, right when you make a website, your product is ready. Now you're just getting those social handles. You get it for Instagram, you get it for Twitter, you get it for TikTok, and then maybe you get it for LinkedIn. Now you get these four and now people are like, okay, I'm on TikTok. I see this trend. I'm going to participate in it and somehow vaguely link it back to what our brand does. We see a lot of companies that do it great. I mean, Duolingo is doing it and so many other companies are just pushing out content that's based on trends. Now, a problem is that does not work for startup marketers, especially for brands as well that have no social media presence or for brands that have no TikTok presence. Because right now we're seeing this trend where everyone wants to jump on any trend possible, leading to this vicious cycle of, your brand is built around trends now instead of you using trends to build your brand. When you look at a trend, you shouldn't say, hey, let's use it. Look at a trend and you can immediately think of 10 different ways that your brand can use this trend. Go for it. But if you look at that trend and you're just like, hey, let's figure out a way to make this correlate to our brand. All of a sudden, you're forcing a trend into your brand and you're not helping people understand what your brand does. And I think that's what a lot of marketers are getting into this vicious cycle. And we're forgetting the core of what social media is supposed to do. Social media is supposed to bring brand awareness. It's supposed to bring leads. You're supposed to explain the value of your product and explain your product as a whole. If your TikTok or your social media or your videos online are now just you using every trend and correlating it back to your brand, chances are you will get engagement. You'll get a hundred, couple hundred views, couple thousand views of that. You're not getting the actual leads and the brand awareness that you need. People aren't going to remember that your company put out a trend about this. They're going to see it as another trend taking place and scroll. They need to know what your brand is doing. So right now, thing is social media managers, marketers, content creators, strategists, you need to think about, can my brand play into this? Does it play into this? And will it actually help viewers understand what we do even remotely? If you're just playing into brands, you're not actually helping the overall brand awareness. A trend is what it is. A trend is something that lasts for a little bit and then goes away. The way that I think about content as well as does this fit in part of the story that we're trying to tell and how could we tell our story in a unique way that fits into this trend? If I can't tell a story or do, if, does this does not connect to what our audience cares about? And also it goes back to what you said before is if you understand your audience, you can make a trend fit towards your audience. But if you don't understand your audience like say your audience does not care about a certain TV show or a certain interest that you have, and then you're starting to jump on it. You're just going to attract people in that interest that aren't part of your audience. And you're just getting more junk in than good. I think the way to keep people falling is you keep a consistent story. 
so people can go back and see your story and provide value at the end of the day, whether it's entertainment, education, whatever. But I, I love that you said, because some brands, only a few brands could do this very well, and you have to be really great at it, is jump on every single trend. And only a few people like Duolingo maybe could be, and you have that. And to get this straight, you have to be a legit, amazing social media manager to do this. It's not an easy task to do, but not all brands should be doing that. And I also think a part of it is like these companies that do have these TikToks where they're all jumping on every trend. For example, Duolingo had a good amount of users before their TikTok account. I mean, this, you know, the social media manager has absolutely killed it with their TikTok strategy and making it a brand to appeal to Gen Z and appeal to trends and come off as really funny, fun, energetic, and an app you're interested in. But if you're a startup that has literally zero users, zero followers, when you jump onto TikTok, Instagram, and all of these platforms, you need to remember people know absolutely nothing about you. I mean, they literally don't know what you do, what your product is. Their guess can be that you still sell strawberry jam or a software product. They don't know. I mean, you need to make it happen. You need to show them what you sell. And if you're jumping on every trend and trying to relate it back to you, even though people know nothing about you, that is going to be a very slippery slope. And while it will get you engagement, it's not going to get you the ultimate leads and users that you're hoping for. I love that because what you're also saying is like not all awareness is tr- should be treated equally because just because the goal of your is to get brand awareness, it's to get brand awareness of your ideal customer to understand who you are as a company, a product, a value you're trying to solve, not just to get brand awareness so people know that you have a great TikTok account. Um, right. Who are some people that inspire you in the marketing space? Like, who do you look for inspiration? Who do you look around at, whether it's on Twitter or books or anything like that? I definitely think that my biggest marketing inspirations are actually not even traditional marketers, but people that have an interest in neuroscience, psychology with marketing. So um, Matt Johnson, um, he's someone that I absolutely have looked up to for years. He is a neuromarketer and he's actually published multiple books about neuromarketing. His books are super, super beneficial to me because not only am I understanding people, but I'm also understanding how to appeal to people with marketing. So, you know, a lot of marketers, they buy all these marketing books and you start to read about, okay, this is what Airbnb did. This is what Dropbox did. This is what Netflix did. And they're great case studies to read and learn about. But being able to learn what the human behavior is, how the brain works when it comes to marketing is super beneficial because then I can use those insights and get creative with my own approaches. Because I just think in general, marketing approaches, especially when it comes to startup marketing, it can get so creative and fun and out of the box that you just have to think about how to appeal to the human brain. 
So he's just somebody I have looked up to for years now and someone that I actively follow and read books from. And it's been great. So he's basically one of the biggest people. And then obviously I always listen to the marketing millennials. My best friend actually is such a huge fan. So I'm really excited for her to hear this podcast and hear that I'm on it. But yeah, I think that's, and then also reading newsletters from smaller marketers um, that are working on actively creating campaigns on their own and running campaigns for different startups to see, okay, what did you do here? Just recently, I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it's by, but it was a Web3 company where they, I think every social media post becomes an NFT. Saw their uh, post on Twitter. And then I saw that their freebie were, was a bunch of condoms, their branded condoms. And I thought Web3 and condoms have nothing in common, but it's unique. It's a very unique strategy. And I mean, I don't, really do much of in the web three space, but to see that people in web three are taking out of the box marketing approaches to be remembered. Damn, I've seen a lot of web three companies pop up in the last year. I mean, whew, in 2021, everyone and their mothers have been starting a web three company. So to see that this company is taking a complete out of the box approach for brand awareness and for people to know they exist. I absolutely love it. I love every small marketer and founders out-of-the-box approach. If someone came up to you right now and they were, you would give them advice, let's say a startup marketer, they wanted to get into startup marketing, what is a piece of advice that you would give them that they would come back to you, say, a few years later and thank you for? I think I'd tell them that they'd have to be ready to learn it all really fast. One thing about me that I've learned very fast is that it doesn't matter how many startups you work with, every startup is so unique, so different. Doesn't matter if they're in the same industry, doesn't matter if it's all software, doesn't matter if it's hardware. Startups are different. Every startup varies. The people vary. The roles and responsibilities in startup marketing is so different and it varies. But man, do you learn a lot. And I will say that one of my biggest, biggest happinesses has been that I jumped right into the startup world right after college and decided that this is the place I want to be because there's a lot to learn and it, you learn it really fast, but the skills you get from it is amazing. And so if you have the bandwidth for it, if you have the patience for it, if you have the drive to do it, I would say go into startup marketing with an open mind, take your skills with you, but also know that you are going to take away, you're going to bring 10 skills, you'll take away 100. The most learnings I've ever had is on small marketing teams because you just have to do and try so many things. But also something that is really inspiring that I think marketers should lean on from you is that sometimes you're a marketer at you're great at marketing at some sort of phase at a company and you should figure out what what phase you're good at. I think you're nailed down that you're a great startup marketer and you're sticking with that, which is amazing. I think some people are great corporate marketers and they should stick mm -hmm. to that. I think some people are great series A to series C marketers. And the thing I'm trying to say is that every phase of marketing is different and you should figure out what phase that you're really good at. And I love that you figured out that you're just a great startup marketer. And it's okay to just be a great startup marketer and not go and jump to go now work for Apple. 
and become a marketer there. It's a different skill. It's you figure it out that you're just great at startup marketing. So also people should just know that every part, phase of a company has different marketing and you could be great at sometimes you could be great at a startup market and not a great at a corporate market, or you could be great at all, but most people should just figure out what they're what part of a company they're great at marketing. I just wanted to get let you know that's something that's really inspiring and people should learn from that. For sure. Also, I just want to give you a couple minutes just to say where people could find you, anything cool thing you're doing. I want to give you the floor to talk a little bit about you. Right now, I work at a larger startup. And so during that time, I absolutely love my job there. And I realized that working with a bigger marketing team is definitely amazing. But it's also like I'm so used to working with startups where I do everything. So being with a marketing team is amazing where like people are distributed and there's actual help. But I will say I absolutely love working for early stage startups. I've worked for startups ranging from pre-seed all the way to series C and beyond. And it's been amazing every step of the way. I'm always open to help out with startups um, that are looking for some help with go-to-market strategies, product market fit, whatever it may be. I'm around. So startups are 100% free to contact me. I'm very active on Twitter. And so they can find me at Sheeta Verma. And then they can also check out my website where some of my work is posted. If you want to follow a great marketer, go follow her on Twitter. She follows great stuff. And I've taken screenshots of some of her, her work. So it's been great. And thank you for joining. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.